0: You're listening to the Misty Creek Community Church podcast. To learn more about Misty Creek Community Church, visit our website at MistyCreekChurch.org. Today's message is from Senior Pastor Stephen Street. Jesus and his disciples had arrived in Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus began to teach in the synagogue. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught with authority. Unlike the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out to Jesus and said, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. And the evil spirit shook the man violently. And left him with a shriek. The people were amazed at what they had just witnessed. They began to ask each other. What is this? A new kind of teaching? With authority? He gives orders to the demons. And even they obey him. News about Jesus began to spread rapidly throughout the entire region of Galilee. Let me ask you a question. The demons still exist today in our world. Are there exorcisms? Yes. Do you know that in the U.S. alone, there were reported over 500 exorcisms in 2020? 500 exorcisms. There was an even, even an exorcism performed right here on this campus at Misty Creek Community Church. Do you have a demon in your own life? Are you affected with mental illness? Maybe someone in your family, maybe someone that you know. Do you experience depression? Do you ever have suicidal thoughts you just don't want to live anymore? Life is is not worth it has this isolation caused you to go off the deep end you can't hardly take it maybe you've lost loved ones and and friends maybe right now you're ill you're you're sick you're you're just overwhelmed with life and you want it to be over the grief is just too much I mean, we've seen thousands, thousands of deaths over the last year. Many of you have experienced the loss of loved ones and friends and coworkers, people in your own community, people in your own neighborhood, people in your own church. And it weighs heavily on you. You're, you're down and out. And you don't want to be here. That's a tough place to be, isn't it? Maybe you haven't admitted that yet. Maybe it's time to start talking about it, processing all this transpired in your life over this, this last year so that 2021 isn't a repeat of 2020 and you can live in the promises that God has for you, an abundant life that he's reserved for you. You know, possession by demons is a handy way to explain some of the tragic events that occur in our world You might remember the cartoon that appeared in the Atlanta Constitution after a man named Mark Barton walked into an Atlanta business office and he shot and killed several people. It was a horrible thing. In the cartoon, there's a small boy sitting next to his mother and there's a newspaper lying on the table. The headline reads, Atlanta murderer Mark Barton. Confused, the boy is looking up at his mother saying, mama you said monsters don't exist monsters do exist don't they how do we explain how monsters are created is it something that comes from within or without I don't have an answer for that I suspect the answer is more complicated than most of us can comprehend the truth of the matter is that the people Jesus cast demons out of were not monsters at all. People who have mental illness, people who suffer with anxiety and depression, they're not monsters. They're human beings. They're people who God created in his own image. They were troubled people who were more trouble to themselves than they were to anyone else. Take the man known as the Gerasene demoniac in Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, verses 1 through 17. He was living in a cemetery, and evidently he was no danger to anyone but himself. He was quite disturbed, however. Night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out, says the Gospel of Mark, and cut himself with stones. Do you know I have counseled? Numerous people, children, teenagers, and even adults who have cut on themselves. It's pretty drastic, isn't it? And here we have a man in the Bible that Jesus encounters. He's cutting himself with stones. What a sad man. When Jesus asked him his name, he responded, My name is Legion, for we are many. If he was suffering from a multiple personality, he was an overachiever. A legion of soldiers was 6,000 men. That's a huge delegation of demons, don't you think? No wonder he was so unhappy. And he had become really uncomfortable with his situation. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. Do you ever feel like that you're suffering with demons? I mean, really? A legion of demons, 6,000 of them. Think about this. This man no longer had any sense of individual identity. He lost his name. He lost his individuality. All that was left was a bowling struggle of conflicting forces. It was as though a Roman legion was at war within him there are people all around us maybe in this room right now maybe watching online right now that feel they have a legion at war within them Jesus speaks of words of assurance to the man and he delivers this man this story should give you and I some assurance and hope to anyone who struggles daily In a battle of depression, fear, anxiety, compulsive behavior. Let me say it again. The people Jesus cast demons out of were more trouble to themselves than they were anyone else. Take today's gospel lesson, for example, that I quoted just a few moments ago from Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. Jesus was in Capernaum, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath. He's a rabbi. He's a teacher. So he starts teaching, and he teaches with authority, and the people are blown away. They've they've never heard this kind of teaching before. It was unlike the teachers of the law. And then there's this man. He's in the community. He's in the synagogue. He's literally in the synagogue. And he cries out in this loud voice. He's possessed by this evil spirit. And he knows who Jesus is. And he says, what do you want with us? And calls Jesus by name. Jesus of Nazareth. Have you come to destroy us? And then he says this, very personal. The man says, I know who you are. He doesn't say we. He says, I know who you are. The Holy One of God. Isn't it interesting that demons recognize who Jesus is? And then the man, for a moment, in his individuality, he knew who Jesus was. It was as if he was crying out, I know you can do something. I know you can make me whole again. And that's what Jesus does. He makes us whole again. And that's what happens in this lesson today. Jesus said, be quiet to the man. Come out of him. And the evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. I wonder what kind of noise it made. I think about that. You may not care about that, but I think about it. This man had been oppressed for so long, lost his individuality, was considered a threat to society, yet he wasn't a threat to anybody but himself. And the people knew it. And when they saw, witnessed that this demon exited this man with a shriek, they were amazed they could not believe it what is this some different kinda teaching and he does it with authority he commands the demons and they listen whoa and the scripture says that news about Jesus spread rapidly throughout the whole region of Galilee a fairly large region it's a wonderful story But notice one more time, there was nothing scary about this man. It wasn't as if he brought in an AK-47 into the synagogue and started shooting people down. That didn't happen. He was just a very sad man, so troubled and disturbed that he interrupted the rabbi while he was teaching. You see, we really do not know what the New Testament means when it speaks of casting out evil spirits. Is it referring to mental and emotional illness? Would physical problems with unusual manifestations such as epilepsy have been considered demonic in a pre-scientific world? Most scholars, and I'm not one, are convinced that this is the nature of the so-called demon possession in the scriptures. It refers to people who are suffering from mental, emotional, even physical problems that cause them to act differently from the so-called normal majority. Does that mean, Stephen, you don't believe in demon possession? Doesn't mean that at all. I don't put anything past what evil can do in our world. And there is evil in our world, just as there was evil in the world that Jesus came into. And that's why Jesus came into the world, to defeat that evil and the sin that so easily entangles us. Since these experts... Say it's some mental thing that was happening back in biblical times. Does this mean we should forget the stories and consign them to problems to modern medicine and psychiatry? Absolutely not. I want you to hear this. Jesus still casts out demons today, whether they be physical, emotional, or spiritual. But only Jesus can do that. A doctor can't do that. I can't do that. I would even say a medication really can't do that. But Jesus can do that. He has the authority. You know, all of us at times in our life, when we're confronted with problems and emotions that almost overwhelm us, we struggle. We've had those times. There have been times in my life when emotionally I felt like I was at the end of my rope and I feared that the rope was going to break and I was going to fall and I was going to fail and I was going to be a lehu Zahir. I felt like that. I did. Perhaps you've had that same experience. Perhaps you're dangling right now, about to fall off that cliff. What a comfort it is to know we have a friend who can heal brokenness of any kind, whether it's emotional or spiritual, if we let him. And that friend is Jesus. This poor man in the synagogue. He was tortured in spirit. Maybe the demons that were troubling him were hatred, envy, resentment. Especially unforgiveness or guilt. Maybe those are the same things that trouble you. Maybe you have hate within you. Maybe you're so angry right now because of what's happening in our world and because of the leadership of our world, you can't hardly stand it and you'll tear people apart if they don't agree with you maybe you have envy why do they have everything why does everything go right for them why is everything a failure for me why is everything such a struggle for me all the time where everybody else is just so easy but not for me I pray I do what I'm supposed to do and yet everything's is a struggle even getting up in the morning it's a struggle is that you? Do you have guilt when you lay down at night? You can't sleep because you're so guilty. So much guilt. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know you are the Holy One of God. The man cried out. That's what he said. He was facing all of this I just mentioned. The hatred, the envy, the resentment, the guilt. And Jesus, he just says, be quiet come out of him and he does jesus just says it and it happens let us not allow the drama of this encounter to blind us to what's really happening here jesus saw a man who needed help and gave that help just as he has helped millions upon millions ever since Do you believe he wants to help you, whatever your need may be today? You may say, my need is so small in regards to everybody else's. But yes, you have a need, don't you? Are you willing to trust him? You know, as a clinical chaplain and pastoral care clinician, I often encounter people with mental illness and other issues, whether physical, emotional, or spiritual. And this has happened right here on this campus. I've faced people who felt like they were possessed by a demon. I've been with people right here in this campus, on this campus, that have faced domestic abuse, spiritual turmoil. When I was completing my clinical hours at the Westcott Behavioral Center at Hamilton Medical Center in Dalton, Georgia, which is sim- similar to Peachford. Many of you know Peachford here in Atlanta. I would sit in a room a few days a week with people troubled by depression. Some. Manic, some were delusional, some were hostile, some were withdrawn, some were experiencing hallucinations, some were schizophrenic, severe addictions. Some were suicidal to the point they were assigned a monitor, someone to be with them at all times because they were on suicide watch. All the psychotherapy and pastoral care training in the world cannot prepare you for some of the things you face in these sessions. I would begin by asking everyone their names. And then explain my role and my goal as the chaplain. I would assure them that I was there to provide support and pastoral care. I was not there to save everybody and fix every situation. Which many times that's what we think we're supposed to do. We're supposed to go in and and fix everything and save everybody. That's our purpose. That's our role and goal. But no, that was not what my role and my goal was with these people. I told them I'm here to be present with you. The professional term is the ministry of presence. That sounds good, doesn't it? Just to be present with them and listen to them. And let each one of them know as I looked in their eyes, I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. God sees you. You're not alone. I would offer them what the famous psychotherapist Carl Rogers says is unconditional positive regard. That means I offered them a non-anxious presence. Whatever they told me, I didn't say, Oh, gosh, can't believe that. And boy, did I hear some things. Things that will make you shrivel. Withdraw. Because you did that? That was never the attitude. It was to look them in the eyes and accept them as sacred, holy human beings created in the image of God, despite what they had done and what they were currently doing. To know that there was hope for them, that there was a way out for them. I didn't panic. You know, I work for, I'm a PRN, which is a a contracted chaplain from Majestic Hospice in Tucker, Georgia. I just gave them a shout out. Shonda and Keturah are the owners, and they are wonderful people. And their motto is, client-centered care, quality care for everyone. Not just the patient, but for everyone. And man, do they provide that. It is an amazing ministry, and I call it a ministry. Reminding us that all persons are of sacred worth and deserving of God's grace and God's care. Sometimes in these groups, I would share my own pain and my own woundedness. I had been made strong in my weakness to be a source of healing for others. I believe we make our deepest connection with God and others through the shared experience of suffering. If you've suffered, if you've been through trials and tribulations, you have a story to tell. You have a testimony to tell. We're all fellow sufferers, not just professionals. I found the people that provided the best counsel to me were the people who went through the most crap in life you could imagine. They were the ones that could really hear me and empathize with me. And man, don't you know it. My mama probably doesn't like me saying this word, but don't you know that Jesus went through a lot of crap. Don't you know it. He's the greatest empathizer, sympathizer that the world has ever known. And so I could go into those sessions with people, Knowing that I represent the Messiah, that I represent Jesus Christ, and not even have to say anything, just to see those people, hear those people, to listen to them. I was intentional when I was with those folks that were struggling not to overfunction and make it about me. You know, we can do that. We can over-function. We can We can butt in and, and interrupt the conversation. Well, let me tell you how to do this. Let me tell you what I did. It's easy to do that. You see, you know, we're like, we go fishing and, and um, we're telling somebody about the fish we caught and the person interrupts and says, Well, I caught one too and mine was this big. Ha <laughs> ha! You know, one-up you. In therapy and counseling, we're not trying to one-up anybody. We're trying to be on that level with that person. To see them eye to eye. I put a list of things on a dry erase board for these folks to look at. The list of things that assault many hurting people. I put it up there on the board. Things like anxiety and worry and fear and depression and pressure and regret and stress and frustration and always seeking the approval of others and fear of the future and unexpected setbacks and crisis. You might remember I did a whole sermon series on all those things back when this virus first hit us to be relevant and talk through the things that we're actually facing. And when I would put those things up on the board, I would, I would ask him, do any of these resonate? And many times folks would come up. I'd ask them to come up, put a mark beside the one that resonated with them that they were experiencing, and they would put a mark by every one of them. Sometimes they'd circle it. Every one of them they were going through. My hunch is you're going through some of those same things right now. So as a group, we would would talk about how these things affect us. And then something would happen. Once we shared our weaknesses, the things that were controlling us, the things that were controlling them, their weaknesses began to lose their strength as they began to talk about it. It began to lose its hold over them because they were were letting it out and telling someone that actually cared and, and saw them as a human being. I didn't criticize them and judge them or just just tell them, get over it, move on. That doesn't help anybody. It does nothing to say that. Get over it. Move on. Grow up. Have you ever said those words to somebody? Have those words been said to you? They've been said to me. And they never once helped me. So thank you so much. What helped me Is to know someone truly cared. And look me in my eyes. And I could see Christ reflected in those eyes. That's what helped me the most. Christ in them. Many a times when we've discussed these things. These weaknesses. And the weaknesses begin to lose the hold on this person or these people. Within a short time of this group supervision. Participants begin to realize that I accepted them and genuinely cared for them, many times this opened the door for the individual to come to me for individual supervision and the opportunity then for me to share Christ on a personal level with them one-on-one. I'm going to give you an example of that. Somebody posted something interesting on Facebook, and I'm not even going to go there by the post, but you may have seen it yesterday. It really threw me back for a moment, but I started thinking about what it meant, and I, I'm not going to share it because it would it would make this person known to everybody. But I'm going to respond to it this way: When you help people, when you make those lunches you've been making for the Lunch Brigade, when you feed people, when you clothe them, when you share the love of Jesus like missionaries do, when they go into villages when people are hurting, and they go in and they compromise their own health. But they don't worry about that. They just go to provide food and shelter and they share and show the love of Jesus. And they build a relationship. And that's how you tell somebody about Jesus you show them Jesus first, you feed the hungry, you clothe those who are naked, you provide shelter for those who don't have shelter. You provide a listening ear for those who are struggling and just need somebody to talk to. I heard of somebody so desperate to talk to somebody one time, they went to the drive-thru at the restaurant, and in the drive-thru when they asked for the order, the person just said, I don't want anything to eat, I just need somebody to talk to. Sometimes that's all we need is somebody to talk to. You know, I'm going to Zoom with our teenagers today. You know, Zoom to me is, is not a replacement for physical interaction in youth group. I just don't like it. But I will tell you this, to be able to connect with those teenagers today and just ask them how they're doing, how I can pray for them, makes a difference to know that we're cared about. Paul Turnier, he's a brilliant thinker. He's an amazing writer, an influential Christian therapist known around the world he lives in Switzerland so all these doctors and students would travel to his home in Switzerland they wanted to learn from him because he was so brilliant and he wrote it's a little embarrassing for students to come over and study my techniques they always go away disappointed because all that I do is accept people he said that's the secret to my success my brilliance as you call it he says All I do is accept people. That's the way it is for Jesus too, don't you know it? He accepts them. It makes no difference who they are or what they've done. He accepts them. And if they will trust Him, I mean, really trust Him. Don't hold anything back from Jesus. He already knows anyway. But when you release that weakness to Him, that weakness, that struggle, it it loses its power over you. And the power of the Holy Spirit consumes you and overwhelms you to the point that you can be free again. You can breathe again. You're not suffocating under the stress of the world. When you trust Him, He's willing to deliver you and heal you. Quiet your spirit and make you whole once again. Isn't that what Jesus did time and time again? The woman at the well, the man who had leprosy, the woman who had the bleeding disorder, he touched them or they touched him. They took a drink of the living water and they were made well fully restored made whole again they had purpose and they knew that this life was more than just living and dying how about you are you troubled by such worrisome but everyday demons like worry and hatred and envy and guilt and unforgiveness and anxiety and fear and depression and pressure and regret and frustration fear of the future Unassisted setbacks. Maybe you got this virus right now. You thought, man, I've done everything I could do. I've had the mask on. I've sanitized my hands. I haven't been around people, or maybe I have, but I still have practiced physical distance because I'm tired of the phrase social distance. So, how about physical distance? But you see, our Savior doesn't want you to distance from Him ever. Never. He wants you to be assured that you can rest in His arms. And you're not going to catch anything but the power of the Holy Spirit. You have a friend who loves to cast out demons. He wants to help you if you'll let him. It begins right here, right now, with an intimate connection with the Holy Spirit. If you're watching right now, you just don't know how to pray. You don't know what to do next. This all sounds great, but this is new to you. Jesus taught us to pray. We just prayed a little while ago. Sherry, let us. The Lord's Prayer, it's in the Bible. But if you want to know what to pray, you have to know the Holy Spirit. None of us knows what to pray on our own. We really don't. Many people have heard Romans 8, 28. It's one of your favorites, I'm sure. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His But look at the two verses before it. Listen to this. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God Romans eight twenty-six and 27 so ask the spirit what to pray for regarding your brokenness your weakness he will tell you what to pray I want to remind you that the Holy Spirit isn't far off the Holy Spirit isn't an it the Holy Spirit is a person that you can have an intimate connection with a relationship with you don't have a relationship with an it do you? You have a relationship with the true Spirit of God. an intimacy. To know the mind and will of God, you need to know the person living within you who knows his mind and will. The Spirit of God can reveal the will, the mind, thoughts of God to you if you'll receive Him. I want to guide you through a prayer as Doug plays. And I want you to pray this prayer. And first of all, if you've not received Jesus into your life and you want to to experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit, receive Jesus and Jesus will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. He will give you the Holy Spirit immediately. And you can begin to experience that intimacy with Almighty God Himself. Let's pray. Jesus, I surrender to you. I ask you to take all of my shortcomings and cast them into the depths of the sea, my weaknesses, my insecurities, my doubts, Lord. I surrender to you to take all that from me. I know that you see me, you know my name, you are my friend, you are my best friend, and I want to live that abundant life that you promise. Forgive me for taking my eyes off of you. I surrender to you. I receive you as my Savior today. I make you the Lord of my life. Save me, Jesus. And fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me new. A new creation in Christ. The old thrown away and the new person comes forward. I desire that today. And I surrender to you, Lord Jesus. I want you to continue to pray. Celebrate if you've prayed that prayer for the first time and received Jesus. Maybe you prayed it again because you've strayed away at some point in your life. Jesus never left you. He accepted you. But maybe you walked away. I want us all to pray this prayer. We're going to pray to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I admit that I do not know what to pray. I am struggling because I have never fully trusted you as my comforter, my helper, my advocate, my friend. I want to have an intimate relationship with you, holding nothing back. Holy Spirit, speak to me and help me release my brokenness and my weakness my weaknesses. We're going to pause for a moment in this prayer and we're going to have you. It's up to you to release your brokenness and your weakness. Your weaknesses, release them now to the Holy Spirit of God. Name them aloud if you need to right in your living room wherever you are. let him speak to you. Now that you've prayed and you've you've released it all, let him speak to you. Let him guide you. Let him be your advocate, your your friend, your, your comforter, your helper. Don't go through this life alone. Know you have the living, breathing, active, resurrected God living within you by the power of the Holy Spirit, and claim that He has healed you from your brokenness and your woundedness. All the weakness that you faced, He's taken that from you and filled you with new life and abundant life. If you're struggling mentally, if you're having a difficult time, seek some counsel. Pastoral care, professional care, psychiatric care. Don't be afraid to do that. There are people trained that can help you. That can help you live the life that God intended you to live. He will use them to cast out those demons. And help you live fully a new life. Will you claim that today? He loves you. I love you. You've got a friend in Jesus. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and forevermore. And all God's people said. Amen. We hope you were inspired by today's message.